This is CliffCentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the CliffCentral.com website where there's a show for you. CliffCentral.com. It is Friday morning. This is Sex Talk with John T. and Tamar. This is Unradio. This is Unscripted. And this morning, this is without a doubt, most definitely uncensored. So we are waiting for Tamar on Skype. Um, and we don't have a WhatsApp line this morning. And we are talking about fantasies. And we'd really love to hear what you fantasize about and what you think about. And do you think your fantasies are unique? And do you think they're really weird? Um, so maybe WhatsApp us. You can't WhatsApp us. Um, Facebook, Twitter, we are all over there. And while we are waiting, let us do this. Vacuum bed. Today's dirty dictionary word is a vacuum bed. If you think you know what that is, let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Twitter. Um, That's a really, really interesting one. And it's an interesting one to picture or imagine. And I also would love to say thank you for all of your messages, for uh, the emails that I have received about what the show is doing and how it's helping people. And so many people are um, coming to do some healing and learning after listening to our show. And it's really beautiful because when we are struggling with sexual issues, with relationship issues, they can be helped. Um, they don't go away by themselves. And we need to change these things to open the most incredible worlds of, of, of pleasure, of relationship, of intimacy and connection and of learning about ourselves and about our sexual energy. And all of that is just so important because it impacts on the rest of our lives. It impacts on our work. It impacts on our health, on every aspect of our being. So don't let any of these things sit. You can do something with them, and we're only too happy to help. Good morning. Good morning. Ah, so cool to hear your voice. It is so cool to be in my favorite Wi-Fi space. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite place. Even if it's on the internet, mm. even if it's not in person, it's just you know the 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 sessions I have with you is food for my soul. Thank you. It's um, you're so beautiful, and um, 
I was just saying, talking about messages that I've gotten this week from people literally around the world who are, are listening to the show and what they are getting from it. And it really is, it is so beautiful to be able to touch so many people in this way. Ah, uh, you know, this is something that is still magical because I felt it's just helping me, you know, as a human and as a happy person. But it's so cool when mm. other people share that. It's like uh, we have a little community. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it's growing, and we're going to grow it even more because we're going to start going to teach overseas, and then ha, we're really going to make a beautiful impact on this world. Absolutely. Yes. So I was having a discussion with a very beautiful and special woman, and we were talking about fantasies. And from that came the idea that it would be really good to talk about fantasies this morning. Hmm. So that's what we are going to do. And I, you know, when you shared it with me, I was thinking actually as I was driving to get to a a good quiet place. And I was thinking about it because um, not always it's a very um, uh, safe or let's even even familiar territory for some people. Yeah. Like, for me, I didn't know what my fantasies are for many, many, many years. I still struggle if I need to actually, I'm learning by default. I'm Mm. learning what I don't like. I'm not a very, I wasn't a person who really fantasized, Mm. you know? Yeah. And that's an interesting thing for a lot of people. And I think more women than men, when you talk about fantasies and they say, well, I actually don't know what they are. And I don't have any. The thing is that everybody does. They've just never been kind of consciously explored. And that's, that's something I definitely agree with. And, and sometimes it's because I think so many women are so separate from their sexuality. They've been so disconnected through judgment, through inhibition, through um, guilt, through shame, through embarrassment. Of of all of these things, it's it's a it's a very very um, it's a very very interesting situation when when you're describing that, but it's just like it's freedom. It's free. It's you can have a fantasy, something you can have in your mind. Mm. You don't even have to share it with anyone. But if we don't allow ourselves to fantasize or to go there, what does it mean? Absolutely. And mm. if we don't, we're actually not allowing a part of ourselves to be acknowledged and it becomes separate from us. And I've been talking a lot about this weekend in my practice and in life. So last weekend we did the most beautiful sweat lodge purification ceremonies at your and York's lodge. And it was so did. And it was so beautiful. Um, being out in nature, and it, uh, it just brought to mind for me personally how important that actually is for me, and I've kind of forgotten about that, mm. to, to have okay. that, that earth connection. And it yeah, was, that's, that's something that gives your soul such a, such a deep cleanse. Yeah, and, and from that came, you know, the one morning I was watching a whole lot of birds in the sky, and I was watching how they all moved together, and it just brought to mind how we are meant to be in, in harmony and, and connected. Like all of nature works as one. Yeah. Everything works. Everything has a place. Everything has a part 
in the system. And when you okay, mess with, when you mess with one thing, you mess with the entire system. But uh, you what you're saying. So we have, firstly, in in industrial societies, you know, first world countries, we've disconnected very much from nature. But the bigger reflection of that is we've disconnected from so many parts of ourselves. Mm. Yeah, we are definitely isolated from nature and each other. Yeah, and and the healing that we do needs to start with us, with accepting the different parts of ourselves, integrating that. And I was even having a conversation with my daughter this morning. She was talking about a whole group of women, and it's apparently become quite a thing, and it'll be interesting to explore, where, where these women are having their ovaries removed because they are incredibly adamant that they are not going to have children. They are never going to have children. They don't want to go on any kind of contraceptive medication. Um, and they've decided to take this quite radical step. But the interesting thing mm. is it's not just your ovaries you're taking out because you're messing with an entire system of, of your body, of your system. being. Yeah. Mm. So it was kind of an interesting one. Mm. That's uh, when you look at, at, at um, synergies, when you think about the butterfly effect, when you think yes. about that we, you know, as we say in the sweats, we all related, we're all connected. Mm. Um, it's, it's that isolation that many times doesn't allow you to even understand. You, you think that something's wrong with you and that brings you back to the funny context, but that brings you back to fantasies, you know. When we were growing up with many more children, you know, actually teaching ourselves things. Yes, it was much more wild and much, much less tame, but also we were learning from one another. We were actually learning from life. Yeah. And maybe those fantasies could have been expressed or could have at least been thought of, you know, something would have come up, but then you would have think of it. You would have, you know, maybe discuss it, maybe have an experience, but it will maybe even just leave you, you know, maybe it was something that, that didn't need to, to stay. That's something about fantasies. I would love to chat to you today yeah. about that. Sometimes this, the fantasy was just for today. It's not something I always fantasize about. So something that I can go through the process and then let it go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, there's such power in that. And you know, what you said, there is an amazing lead into something because as kids, we fantasize so much. That's correct. You know, pretend this, pretend that. Let's, and you know, you take a box, and I mean, I don't know really how little kids play today because I haven't been around little kids for a while. But you take a box, and all of a sudden, your box, your box becomes a, um, your palace, a, a spaceship, or a, yeah, all sorts exactly. of things. And we lose that connection because we're taught to be these fucking serious ugh, beings with this education <laughs> system that is so fucked up in terms of the rest of our world. I've been thinking about that this week, um, mm. of, of how it separates us from being human and engaging in the world and being authentic. And it, you know, it just shuts down so many parts of us with such pressure. Um, and, and then when we start becoming sexual, the fantasy part is lost for so many people. Yeah, that's correct. And it's a big thing. So let's start here. Where do our fantasies come from? 
Any clues on that one? Is that our little genius corner now? Well, <laughs> we're the geniuses today. Well, it feels to me, and after listening a bit to Esther Perel and hearing you for for quite a while, you know, discussing, it feels that there is a huge link to to us also as children. Mm-hmm. So things that we have been denied from, things that we have been extremely curious with, even as as kids, it has a correlation to where our fantasies are at least going to manifest or which direction they're going to take. Yeah, I think some, um, some of them yeah. definitely do come from there. There's no question. You know, I feel with myself, I had quite a lot of... um uh, let's call it love. So, so I, I felt as a child I was denied from, from unconditional love. So it's something quite sophisticated to say, but as a child I really felt I need to, to, to actually have a, to do a lot of effort to, to create a lot of action to, to receive affection from, mm. from one side of my parents or my mother. So I know and I'm noticing it still today that my sexual patterns and my fantasies has also to do with you know, getting attention, uh, being, um, you know, doing more to receive. So I feel like I have to be very active. So even my fantasies go to that, to that place. Mm. They go to that place of, you know, being that, even to go to being that child, to be punished, um, to, there's a lot of things that I could really see. I can see a link. I, it's not something that it's one, you know, it's not exactly, it's not matching exactly, but can see the same, the same behavior. That's really interesting. So the fantasies allow a lot of stuff to actually be present in the mind. Yes. Yeah, and it allows us a way to actually acknowledge those parts of ourselves. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question of that. And I think that there's something a little bit more because the one thing that I am learning more, and again, it came up very strongly last week, the understanding that there are definitely more questions than answers. (laughs) <laughs> which is, it's beautiful. And, you know, I teach everybody who comes to, to work with me this model of, of engaging through questions rather than, than trying to find answers to things. Mm-hmm. And when you can, ex- yeah, just being more in that mystery. And when you can accept that, it becomes, you can really let go of, of ah, so much tension and stress around things and just kind of ah, relax into it. Mm. And be there. So the point of all of that was to say this. I think a lot of our fantasies come from places that we have absolutely no idea about. Okay. So that's something we have just in our subconscious or have suppressed or… Something. There's something there that says, oh, this is interesting. And as mm. much and as much as… As I agree with what you say, that there are certain things we can we can look at the patterns and we can see where they come from. There are many more that we actually have no clue as to where this came from and why this excites me without getting too bogged down in, in, in the analysis of some of it, just kind of being with it. Yeah, that's that's actually resonates with me because um also, also self-judgment comes from that. Like, mm. should I feel that? Or, you know, because this happened now, I feel like that's, that's the whole part of, of judgment. Instead of asking, as you say, why it happened, maybe just allowing it. Yeah. Very, very much so. And the more that, mm. that we allow, the more we can actually enjoy it and explore it. 
just uh, so that's know, that's enjoying. an interesting one. So what about if my fantasies are about only doing things that I'm not allowed to do? <laughs> well, that's what a lot of fantasies are. Actually, they're doing things that we don't think we could do. Mm, okay, and that's the purpose of it because some of it we are never going to express. So that's an interesting thing. Should you act your fantasies out? And let's talk a little bit about that. So here's okay. some so here's some general things about that. Some fantasies you are going to act out and they're going to be fantastic if you do them, let's use the word in inverted commas, if you do them right and we'll give some guidelines for that. But a lot of them are never going to come Close to what they are in your mind. <laughs> that throws me to the sex for three years ago that uh, we've asked people to express their fantasies. Yes. And uh, and we got a letters of um, men being, sorry, but being raped with stilettos um, <laughs> in a dressing room by a bunch of I don't even remember if it was strippers. Anyway, that was one of the one of the people's fantasy that they yeah. wrote, and they were quite curious about it. Yeah. So you think of something like that, and you think, does somebody really actually want to physically experience that? And a lot of times, no. So, and some of them are incredibly extreme, and some of them are way beyond what society will kind of accept. So, if you're going to act your fantasies out, let's talk about some guidelines for that. <laughs> Before you mention that, John T., yes. when we went together to, to Fetish Haven and yes. we saw uh, the pancake. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, now you're going to have yeah. to explain what the pancake is to people. Are you going to or am so, I going to? It was, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a condition <laughs> that a man allows, um, a qualified, a qualified um, mistress or a dom to actually um, take his balls, stretch them on a board um, of wood, and usually pin needle it to the actual um, his actual balls to the to that wooden board with needles or with nails. Um, then there's a few variations. It basically looks like a human pancake and, uh, it has to be done extremely in a professional way. Now, the reason I'm bringing such an extreme example, because yes. a lot of men were, are sitting, listening to this, yeah. absolutely cringing and crossing their legs and protecting yeah. their balls with their hands. But you know what? That was exactly, that was a fantasy that this guy had and he gave it to very, um, capable hands. Mm. And that was something that he also, you know, took full responsibility that if something's going to go, you know, there's going to be a damage, he, something he was willing to, 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 to do, but he was, ext- he was comfortable with it. And, and again, there's risk. Mm. Um, so that's a very extreme example of taking your fantasy to a place that you understand. Maybe it's not any more fantasy, but it's something you want to do in reality. Yeah. So. The understanding of that, it also needs to be said, that that was a person who has experienced a lot in that particular world before he got to that point. True that. Because that is, it's an extreme experience. So you're not going to go kind of from naught to a hundred in five seconds. Absolutely. So 
it takes some time. So the first thing is to actually think about, do I really want to have this as a physical experience? And if I do, and I'm willing to do that, whatever your fantasy might be, then it's important to start working out how you're going to do this for it to be fulfilling. And sometimes actually starting to write it down step by step, what every aspect involves is really important because the triggers in our fantasy are often really subtle and incredibly specific, which means sometimes there's a phrase in the fantasy, and it's that particular phrase that is the arousal. Hmm. So if you're going to share that with somebody, they need to know that they need to say those words exactly in that way. That takes the discussion to a very beautiful part of fantasies because people use lightly the word fantasy and people use, um, you know, a, a rage or, or a moment of horniness to say, no, that's my fantasy, which mm. I think in the word fantasy, there's, as you say, the detail makes it such a, a beautiful, deeper experience than just, you know, than just a craze for something. Yeah, okay. yeah, because a lot of men think, yeah. for example, one of the top male fantasies is I want to have a, th- a threesome with two women. Mm-hmm. And I always say, and I said it at a, at a, at a talk last week um, at the Women's Expo at Monte Casino, and I said, this is a fantasy. Somebody asked about it, and I said it's a fantasy for a lot of men. And the interesting thing is a lot of men can't fully satisfy one woman. How do they think they're going to fully satisfy <laughs> two, and what are they going to do with it? But then you have to start thinking about, okay, so with two women, what is it that I'm actually going to do? And what are the mechanics of this? And how does it work? And what are they going to do? And what am I going to do? And because people get this, a lot of this, they get kind of from watching porn. Now, the interesting thing about anything in a porn scene is it's choreographed. Absolutely. Which means people have rehearsed it. It's like learning a dance. They've got the steps for it. And Mm. without that, you kind of get lost because you think, well, and I don't know where to put myself. I don't know where to put her. I don't know where to put him. And what should I do? And it's rehearsed and it's acted. So if you don't have some communication in the actual fantasy, it's not going to happen. But the preparation of it needs that kind of communication. What is it that we're actually going to do? And what do we need for this? What are the props we need? What are the the lubes, the condoms, the safe sex, the toys, the whatever it is that we're going to use? Do we have that? And John, you know, this is exactly the, the essence of, of conscious when you, you have, when you go through the conscious sexuality path or, or, you know, you keep it in a place of, you know, maybe shameful, um, quick fix kind of, kind of, uh, route. Because if we are really, you know, if I start a conversation with my partner about my fantasies and I really want to go deeper, I want to build that fire, that, that tantric fire or that, um, you know, a twig, 
by twig. I want to build it. The, the whole fantasy becomes actually a fantasy because just sharing it, just exploring details of it, just working on actually performing parts of it together, that makes a big fire that actually works with communication, with yeah. intimacy, with arousal, with so many mm. beautiful elements that are a part of the conscious sexuality world. And if I just tell you, okay, so... You know, I want, you know, I want two men and that's it. Um, you know, then I, you, you, there's something so missing, something so shallow. It's like doing some fireworks, but then it's over after five minutes. You know, mm. what is it really that we are looking for? Yeah. So the discussion about it, the communication can often be incredibly exciting in that. Mm, that's true. Whether yeah. you actually express it or not, and I want to extend that for, for a moment and talk about the fact that even if you are not going to make the fantasy real, if you're not going to act it out, sharing your fantasies with your lover is incredibly exciting. And as you said, it creates incredible intimacy because of the vulnerability of it. Yeah. That when you share that and when you're sharing something so deep, you really are revealing an enormous amount of yourself and your inner world. So it takes incredible trust and it builds incredible trust to share that with someone. And you're really sharing a very deep part of yourself because you're exposing yourself to an incredible level of judgment but also an incredible level of, of intimacy and closeness. This is such a big thing about trust in, with, uh, with relationships because if I trust you to share with you things that, never mind, as you said, where they came from or why, but I take pride in it. So as I told you, I fell in love with York because he was just carrying himself so proudly. Whichever part, his failures, his you know, his sexual likings, his fetish. It was mm. just so open and so clear about it. That made such closeness and such possibility of coming together because there was nothing to hide and he was, he was so just, he, he loved every part of himself, which gave me an amazing, you know, amazing feeling of closeness to him. Mm. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of that movie that you sent us to see, Little Death, The Little Death. Yes. The Australian movie about, about basically, as you said, uh, uh, orgasm is called in French little death, right? Mm. Um, and then the lady, the, the, the acting, the first uh, opening scene is the, it's a couple, they're in bed and he, she says, baby, can I share with you something? And she said, I want to be raped. And he's like, Oh, I'll rate you. You're 10 out of 10, baby. <laughs> and she's, she said, no, 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 not rate, not rate, raped. Mm. I want to be raped. And he takes it so personally and he thinks something is wrong with him. Yeah. You know, she was trying to open up and it creates a whole thing within them. And then the movie carries on to very funny places. Yeah. But um, that's kind of a thing. You know, if you open up to your partner, you should see it as such a, a trust thing. So, yeah. And it's important in that to understand that. Your fantasies are about you. Your partner's fantasies are about them. Fair chance they have been, those fantasies have been in their lives for a long time. They didn't just pop up immediately. That's not mm. to say that there are not fantasies that both of you can create and share. But that interest in something has been in you 
for a long time. So if your partner, for example, has a fantasy about a certain body type or a body feature, for example, and you don't have that, that's not about you. It's not about your lack in any way. We've just been made to feel that that's about me, but it's not. Absolutely. And as weird as your partner might be, again, that's not about you. But the acceptance of that is huge because we're acknowledging the inner worlds that we have. And in the sharing of that, it creates really deep intimacy. And allowing somebody the fullness of that, the fullness of their inner world, is so beautiful and so, so empowering. You know, I'm involved with, with, with someone where we have gone to a place of of depth that I have never been before in my life. And so much of that has been from the perspective of both of us doing our own inner work. Both of us doing a lot of healing, a lot of personal growth to get to this place of incredible acceptance um, and, and sharing of the depth of this inner world and realizing that there actually is no limit to that. And, and the intimacy that creates. And I know that you have that in your relationship. I do. Um, and it, but, but when you speak about it, it's always, you know, it's always a reminder because comfort zones just, you know, they, they happen. Even if in the most uncomfortable place a person will find comfort, um, we are, as humans have to actually push ourselves all the time to keep on going in that journey. What you've mentioned, that you work with yourself, so you don't do it for each other. That's something that I always, I've always been lacking. I, I'm much more motivated when I am with someone to actually for that partnership to work towards. But what I really like about what you say is that you both work on yourselves as individuals. That's very special. Because then we have more to share with each other. Mm, yeah, because it, you know, the horniness and the craze and the, sorry for using the same words, but let's say the first year or two, you know, of the hormone side of, of relation, the chemical, you know, and the fireworks, this, this ends eventually. And then, you know, and then the journey just continues and you have to bring to the table all the time, uh, you know, rejuvenation. Um, and a part of it is just to keep on finding new parts of yourselves. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that you bring it to the table every day. Yeah. So one of the biggest learnings from this, and, and it comes through so much in, in the work that I do and at the talks and the workshops and, and in the private sessions with people is getting the idea across that it needs to be a practice, which means it's something that you're doing regularly. Like you get up in the morning uh-huh. and you brush your teeth. That's a practice. And we work in terms of patterns. So an easy way to understand the patterns, and I say this lots, is every time you brush your teeth, you brush your teeth in the same way. You bath or shower, you wash in the same way, you eat in the same way. Most people put the same shoe on first every time they put their shoes on. 
<laughs> so now everybody's going to be thinking, which shoe do I put on first? And you're going to be aware of this next time, which is an important thing because some of the newest research into consciousness is saying that we're actually only conscious about 5% of the day. So think about that is ridiculous. Yeah. So think about the fact that you're awake for 16 odd hours and you're only conscious and aware and choosing what you're doing about 5% of that time. The rest of it, you're just kind of running almost on autopilot, hmm. which is, is fascinating. So a lot of our patterns are actually limiting and contractive. We can create patterns that are expansive and creative and open and curious and engaging. But that means that we have to do more things as a practice, which means we have to be aware of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And the more we do that and the more we can kind of share that and the more we can, in, in our sex lives, in our sensual lives, in our pleasure lives, in our play, the more we can do that, the more we'll create open and expansive patterns. So talking about the fantasies becomes quite an important part of that because of the detail you're putting into sharing that and the intimacy you're creating from that. And there was a whole point to all of that, which I've totally forgotten. But, hmm. sounds, well, but it sounds pretty you, cool for by itself. <laughs> while you remember, uh, that brings me to, to the craze that was around Fifty Shades of Grey. It was... There is really one message behind that stupid movie, which means, um, you know, let's push boundaries. Let's make each other important. Let's do things that are, you know, unacceptable. All these messages were actually so enticing by concept to lots of mm. people and mostly women because it's not so much the actual pain that was so arousing for, you know, 90% of the people that were watching those movies. It was the whole um, taking your inner world to actually, to, to, to action. Yeah. And you said something incredibly important there. Um, and Esther Perel has says this in an interview. Um so for people who don't know, a lot of her work has been about healing affairs and looking at different ways of having relationships. She's a Belgian psychologist who has specialized in sexuality and relationship and does a lot of work on saying, can you heal infidelity? Are there different perspectives on this? And what can you do to almost safeguard your relationship from this? So part of it is the way that we have relationships, the expectations we put on each other, the framework that we put relationships in. Now, I think most people are aware of the fact that the way that kind of the religious perspective on marriage and relationship, which has become the accepted way of, of doing this, actually doesn't work. So we have to find different models for this. Somebody asked her in an interview once, can you stop your partner having an affair? And the simple answer is no, you can't, because if they're going to do that, they're going to do that regardless. Sometimes it has nothing to do with how happy or successful or fulfilled your relationship is. That's about something in them. But one of the factors that can lessen this enormously is that you make your partner important. And that's yeah. one of the things that you just said. You make your partner important. Mm. 
What does this mean? It means that you really engage with them physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, sexually. And by the way, that word spiritual comes up a lot. And one of the things I've been doing and, and talking about so much lately with with my lover is the words that we use. What do they actually mean? And spiritual has come up and the fact that we've actually decided we have no idea what it really means. It like falls into this big blanket of spiritual activities. You know, you go to the sweat yeah. lot and, and it's a spiritual activity and you go and do a meditation or a sound journey and it's a spiritual activity. And actually I have no clue at the moment what the word means. So I kind of am liking the word mystery more than <laughs> spirit at the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like the word energy. It's been misused. It's a little bit over overused, and what does it mean? You know, it's it's everything, in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it just when you say you make somebody important, that means that in your life you <coughs> spend time consciously because it's with awareness. Awareness for me, more and more, I never. Huh, this suddenly kind of makes a bit of sense. Awareness mm-hmm. is in the heart, and your awareness starts in your heart. Mm-hmm. That that person has a place in your heart that is conscious, and you do things consciously to connect that, to connect with them, to enhance that relationship, to share yourself with them in whatever way that you're going to do that. And the more you do that, the more important they will feel to you. And that was the point of all of that. Uh, that's actually a super intense uh, point that uh, also takes me to a place of distinguishing, um, you know, um, the whole idea of exactly what you were saying. So when you do something with the awareness of going deeper and not just trying to um, to create an event. So it's not like let's do something special tonight because we're bored or, you know, in a way we have to do something to make this interesting. But we actually have an awareness of of, of going within ourselves and deepening the, the, the relationship with ourselves and then with our partners. Then there's something that there's really no limits to what you're going to, what you're going to explore because then you will surprise yourself. The curiosity comes out, uh, different channels of, of awareness starts to flow through you and, um, different layers of consciousness are starting to reveal. So it's a true reality that you, if you will allow those conditions, which you always repeat and it's the, the, the bread and butter of make time, make the space, you know, it's some, it's thing, you know, learn how to touch, learn how to communicate, all these things. Mm. And then you, you, you touch on fantasies. Then you, you won't know where you're going, how you're going to come out in the other end. <laughs> yeah. And are you willing to go through that and to reveal yourself? And if you are going to call somebody your lover, and this is regardless of kind of the label you put on your relationship, whether you're married, whether you're not, Whatever it is that you've decided your relationship is, whether your partners, whether your whatever you call it, and there are so many kind of different definitions of that today. 
But if you are going to call somebody your lover, that's an expression of your heart. How are you going to express your heart consciously with awareness and with care and with intimacy and with, this is important and this is huge. Don't you find it so interesting that we can have so many fantasies that actually even contradict each other? Yeah, but that's the beauty of of that world. Because within us like, are so yeah. many different expressions of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and that helps not to label. Because mm. one day I feel like I have this element or crave for exploring being completely used and abused, and the other day I want to be adored and pleasured, and you know, to make love for hours and to reach to new pleasures I never knew exist. So. If I allow myself to go to different directions, I feel like after the journey with you and the journey I've been go walking with myself is that I'll just have more. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because they're all different aspects of you. And as mm. you say, that sometimes you just want that. You want to really be, as you said, used and sometimes absolutely adored. And sometimes it's just kind of nice and comforting and sometimes it's all of that at once and a whole lot more. It's this wonderful banquet, this feast that is just mm. limitless. And there are dishes on this that we look at and we think, I have no idea what that is or where it comes from. But I want to taste it and I want to smell it and I want to feel it and I want to savor it. And I want to share it. With you. Mm. And that's yummy. Beyond yummy. Mm. And some things we're going to say, oh, that's really interesting. I want a little bit more of that. So first I just have a nibble. And then I think I'd like a mouthful. And then maybe I want a whole plate of it. And maybe that's enough. And some things you are going to taste in your fantasy world. You're going to say, mm, okay, had a nibble of that. Thank you very much. No more. That's actually a good point. When a couple or a threesome or whatever polyamorous relationship you are in discover that they really don't have the same flavors. Um, my take on it that there's so much gray. There's so much in between that actually you can come close to someone's world or somebody's territory without actually necessarily taking an active part in what you don't like. Mm, because um, some, we all have stuff that I might enjoy doing that you don't necessarily have any interest in whatsoever. But if it's important to me, I need to engage with that in some way. And then I'm being more of me, which means I have more of me to share with you and giving you the space to explore and engage with the things that are important to you. And then you're bringing more of you to us. And there's enormous freedom yeah. in that. It's, 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 it touches a very interesting point because then some couples that we've met, 
you know, and you have met, uh, you know, thousands, couples more, but you know, the couples I met through the parties and the events and the, the fantasy parties and so on. Some couples would say she has a specific flavor and she, she likes, you know, she likes it rough and she likes every night a different man. That's her fantasies. And I like it, um, gentle and soft and sensual massage. So they split, you know, they don't try to force. Uh, what they don't like on each other and they just, you know, each person goes and kind of has the freedom. Other couples that we've heard and seen, you know, like that one iconic party that a woman with her husband organized 50 men to come and have a wonderful gangbang with her. And the husband was there to support and clean and, <laughs> you know, and just uh, make sure that everybody stands in a line and <laughs> don't. Sorry, you were in the queue. <laughs> no, but anyway, the point is, is that it's, it's kind of an interesting discussion of who are you when it comes to accommodating your partner's fantasies. Mm, absolutely. And it really brings up some amazing dynamics in your relationship. And there's a Again. beautiful thing to explore with this. And I teach people this a lot. Be curious. That doesn't mean it's right or it's wrong, it's good or it's bad, it's for you or it's not. Engage with curiosity. Engage with interest. And ask questions about it. And that way, you're engaging with it and that's the important thing because that's where the connection is in that level of engagement. That you're just exploring. There's no particular outcome. It doesn't have to go anywhere. It doesn't have to be anything other than let's explore this. And let me dip a toe into the water and see a little bit of what it's about. And if I don't enjoy it, then thank you very much. But there's a level of engagement. And that's one of the most important aspects of a relationship because that engagement and that curiosity is making you important to me that I am going to engage with it. Mm. And there's something else that's interesting that just kind of popped up with fantasies. Um, sometimes you get bored with your fantasies. <laughs> Very often, Explain. very often that means that something in you has changed because our fantasies fulfill a need within us. They allow us to express some part of ourselves. They connect with some part of ourselves. And sometimes when we grow, when we heal, when we change, when we expand in our inner worlds, some of those fantasies fall away because there's nothing for them to connect to anymore. Your fantasies are not random. Where they come from yeah. or not, so it's kind of going back to where we started. Your fantasies relate to some part of you that needs to be expressed. So when you heal some of those childhood patterns, for example, the fantasies are not going to be the same because you have changed. Hmm. So holding on to those fantasies will often keep you trapped in that pattern. So sometimes you need to let them go 
because when you hold it, yeah, and then sometimes there's this kind of gap, and you are going to do some self pleasuring, and very often that's with fantasy, and it's like, (gasps) but that's boring, and it doesn't really do anything for me anymore. So what do I do? Well, you go and you start exploring. So what would be exciting? I don't know. So go and look at some different websites. Um, so a great one, for example, that has an incredible range of, of, of written material on a huge range of subjects is uh, literotica.com. Yeah, we've mentioned it, but I think we should mm. pop it on the podcast page again. Mm. And there's a, an incredible series of books. The first one was called My Secret Garden was published by Nancy Friday, and I think it was in the 70s. And for the first time ever, she collected women's sexual fantasies and published them. But she published them in exactly the way that she received them. She didn't edit them. She didn't change any of the words. And at the time, it was shocking because... (gasps) Do women really think about this stuff? And in its way, it was quite shocking when it came out. But it was incredibly powerful because it gave so many women freedom to acknowledge themselves. And this is the incredible paradox of female sexuality. So the sex model that most of our world runs on is a porn-based model. And I wrote about this recently, and we'll put the link to to the article on our resource page. It's a porn-based model, which is very much about a very limited expression of male sexual, of male sexuality. It's incredibly limited. It's incredibly narrow. And when you start going deeper, and when you start putting this kind of porn model aside, you actually allow a much fuller expression of our sexuality. And then you start to see how wide that actually is. And you read a book like My Secret Garden, and you see the incredible spectrum of what women are thinking about. So the paradox of the sex model we have is that it is supposedly an supposedly in these huge electric neon letters, an expression of female sexuality. But it's not, because if women go and express their sexuality to the fullness of that, there is incredible social and cultural judgment. Absolutely. So the fullness of your fantasy starts allowing you to express more of that. And that becomes incredibly important. And allowing yourself to be the fullness of who you are. Makes me sad a bit. Yeah? Talk about yeah, it just makes me sad a bit because I'm, I'm just listening to you. And I don't remember who we had this discussion in the sweat lodge which I just spoke to a woman and I mentioned to her because obviously the sweat lodge is a very different space and 
sexuality is extremely, uh, it has no issues with sweat lodge. It's just a different ceremony. So in the sweat lodge time, you know, we don't go in depth. But when I spoke to a woman and I said, look, it, we, you know, we've, our patterns have, are so deep around sexuality, around, um, we have domestified sexuality and we've, you know, women have been for so many years, haven't really allowed themselves to just be and be open and careless about it. And, and even when I, you know, when I was just having a discussion, there was so much resistance. And now when I hear you speak, I'm, I'm thinking it's much more than that because our to-do society, even if we manage to plow and let me even take a more, um, radical, uh, term, maybe even to resist and to rebel against thousands of years of suppression and suppressing women's, women's sexuality, it's it's almost um, it comes the thought to mind even my mind like why 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 even doing this for what it's such a waste of of time you know for what mm. you know I have to remind myself what I've learned that it's it's our natural being it's a it's a way of being creative it's a way for it's a part of good health it's a part of good relationship it's a part of amazing pleasure all these things I have to remind myself it doesn't come naturally still. Yeah. yeah, and that's where the consciousness becomes so important. Mm. Absolutely, it's it's huge, and a big part of that is that we we struggle, we battle with these different parts of ourselves, instead of accepting this amazing fullness of who we are, and when we do that, it opens to so much more. Because every time we expand those boundaries a little bit within ourselves first, we can do that a little bit more, a little bit more. And when we accept more of ourselves, we can accept more of ourselves. And all healing is about connection. Connecting with ourselves first, then with another, with the world, with nature, and understanding that so much of our world works the way it does because of that idea of disconnect and separation and in connection we find ourselves we find each other and the greatest space of connection is with your heart so I've shared this a lot I'm going to share it again here because it's one of the most important things that you can do put your hand on your heart center any way that you like touch it with one finger with both hands with one hand and for five minutes a day, breathe into your heart. And you'll be amazed at what changes from that alone. Mm. That goes back to practice consciousness of less than more than five percent a day. Yes. And the same the same goes to pleasure. If you are in a state of pleasure, no one will say, Oh, I don't like it really. Mm. <laughs> You know, there's no situation that a person is connected to their pleasure abilities will say, oh, that's really useless. You know, there's such spiritual, maybe we're using the word again lightly, but there's such spiritual, let's say, how was the other word that you called? Mystery. Instead of spiritual? Mystery. Mystery. Such mystery, such possibility mm -hmm. in pleasure. So when you are in this amazing essential uh, experience, like being in beautiful uh, hot pool in the water flow massage, being in nature surrounded by 
beautiful, serene, you know, animals or just mm. lying in grass that you can feel caressing your body. All these things, when you are in serenity and you allow yourself to just be, when you feel those emotions, when you feel those sensations, that's a good start to, to actually connect not to the brain but to your heart that's it. and to your and to your mystery yeah. no. and the heart is really where it's at so mm. a vacuum bed is when somebody is fully enclosed in a sheet of rubber so it's either like a bed with a sheet of rubber or a, a cubicle and <laughs> you are constricted in this that you cannot move all that you have is a tube to breathe through so it's obviously in the world of bondage and fetish. So have a look at some pictures of a vacuum bed because when you see a picture of it, it'll make more sense because your mind just goes, huh? And you start thinking of vacuum cleaners and I don't get this one. Um, but that's what it is. This has been really awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a beautiful day out at the lodge. Thank you so much. I miss you and I'm looking forward to connect with you. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing a deeper part of discussion of fantasies. It's really special. We wish you all so much pleasure. This is CliffCentral.com.